to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Josh and the band. Lots of energy this morning. My name is Scott Weimer. I'm one of the associates here at the church in the area of congregational care. I work half-time. For a long time, I worked in the city, and I was a senior pastor for 30 years, and I preached almost every Sunday. I don't preach much now. I preached once in this church in 18 months, one service, one time. I have a lot to say, but I can't say it. I signed an oath that said I would preach no longer than 20 minutes. I, I fulfilled that oath at the 8.15 service. I broke that at 9.30, and I, you know, I have to have three out of four, or I'm going to lose my job. So we're going we're gonna to jump right in. Our scripture today from... The book of Psalms, chapter 34, and it jumps right out of the music we've been singing. Psalm 34, verses 17 and 18, a psalm of David, who's been in a time of conflict against a formidable enemy, and God delivered him. And so David wrote a psalm and put it to music, and the people of ancient Israel sang these psalms to one another and to God. Psalm 34, verses 17 and 18. When the cry, righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them from all their troubles. God is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And then the New Testament, Gospel according to Matthew, the 11th chapter, verse 28. I hope these words are very familiar to you. When Jesus says, come to me all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God, I pray now that you would send your Holy Spirit, anoint all of us, and open our hearts that we might be receptive to hear your voice today. Not my voice, but your voice speaking through scripture and through me. Grant me the gift of preaching that I might proclaim your word with faithfulness. Pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're two weeks into 2024. I want to offer you a New Year's resolution. I believe that New Year's resolutions, you can make them up until the end of January. I don't know where that, I didn't read that somewhere, I've just made that up. I think you can revise your New Year's resolutions if you've already made them, and after today you might need to revise them. Your New Year's resolutions need to make sense. They have to make common sense, or they're not going to make spiritual sense. So I learned from last year, when I made a New Year's resolution, and I told you about it, that... I was going to exercise more in 2023, and I have kind of lived up to that. So I have that same resolution this year, and I do have a specific time frame in mind and number of days and all of that. But last year, I also had a resolution that we ought to all do something that helps us to feel better, to feel good, that allows us to feel happy. And so I discovered something that really makes me happy, makes me feel good, and this is what it is. These are gummy bears. And I'm telling you, I never ate candy as a child. I grew up in a house, and my dad was, grew up with his father, who was a coach for 40, 50 years of all the sports. And my dad was an athlete. He said, if you want to be an athlete, you can't eat candy, you can't drink soda pop and all that. And uh, so I didn't. 
And I didn't miss it, because I'd never had it. But last year, I found gummy bears. <laughs> it's become a problem. And last week, Jeff preached this powerful sermon about how we need to be honest about the issues that we're dealing with, and that some of us have addictions, and we have addictions in many cases because there's a core issue that we're not facing in our lives. And until we have honesty and face it, we're not going to be able to overcome addictions. Well, that spoke to me, Pastor Jeff, thanks. And so I decided that I need to eat less gummy bears because, really, I, I asked the children, some of the children in the church, if they thought it was a good idea that sometimes I eat gummy bears for breakfast. They said, probably not. I said, what about lunch? They said, no. And I said, okay, well, that happens sometimes. And so I'm going to give up gummy bears for the new year. Do you think that's a good resolution? They said, no. And I thought, <laughs> they know they can get gummy bears from my office, but they... But they're wiser than that. I said, why? And they said, because if you eat a few gummy bears, they can still make you happy. You don't have to eat so many. And the corollary was, and then you'll still have them in your office and we can come and get them. <laughs> but there was a wisdom in that. So your resolutions have to make sense. I want to offer a resolution that I believe makes sense, both practically and spiritually. And the resolution is that we care for our weary souls that we acknowledge we need help for the weariness of our souls. The subtitle of this sermon could be Soul Care. And in the new year, I want us to think about a resolution of paying close attention to soul care. Now, soul care, mental care, and physical care, they all go together, as we know. If we eat better, we're going to feel better, we'll be more healthy. If we if we're exercising more we'll, and eating better, then our minds are going to be clearer. We'll probably sleep better. And if we care for our soul, we're really caring for our core. And we have to care for the core of who we are as human beings. We're created in God's image. Where is that image? And how does God speak to God's image within us? And so the first step in caring for our weary souls is to acknowledge that we need help for our weary souls. Now I know we need help. I think it's hard for us to sometimes acknowledge that we need help. So the first step in caring for our souls is to be honest about our need for God's help. Eight years ago, we had a tragedy in our lives. We lost our youngest son at the age of 22. And I didn't know if I could ever come back. I tried to come back after a month. I thought most people, if they're fortunate in their job, if they have time off after a death in their family of a couple of weeks, sometimes a week, sometimes people get a couple of days, and the, I, came, I had a month. And I came back after a month, and I came to the church. And officers were together, the elders and the deacons, one night, and I tried to give a devotion. And I tried to make myself strong. And I couldn't get through it. And I was really disappointed in myself. I felt badly about myself. And I had to acknowledge that night that ah, I can't come back. I'm not ready. And, and they were gracious. And they, you know, most people wouldn't have this kind of opportunity. But they said, you know, don't come back too soon. If you come back too soon, it's not good for you. And that's not good for us. And if you come back too soon, it robs us as a community of being able to rise to the occasion and help you. And the truth of the matter is, Weimer, that we've got, uh, we've got a backup quarterback. Is, he's good. He's real good. Team wins with him. 
that's your pastor, Jeff Myers. And he became my pastor, he became the senior pastor, and it, when I finally did come back, uh, I knew that Jeff needed to fly beyond this because it was so obvious to all of us, and he came to you. And so God has been gracious all the way around. And over time, God has helped me and my family process our loss, and along the way, I, I really wasn't sure uh, how I could keep going. I wasn't sure I wanted to keep going. And uh, I had such wonderful friends who said to me, uh, you know, Scott, you're probably not going to be able to pray. And so uh, we'll pray for you. You're probably not going to feel like reading the scripture, so we're going to read the scripture for you. What a gift for them to acknowledge that even though I'm a pastor and I've walked with the Lord for all these years, that there was something shattered in my soul, and I probably wouldn't be able to pray or to read scripture. They were right. I couldn't for a long time, but other people did. And something I thought about as, as going through that early stages of grief was, we all know people who are wrestling with something, who have some kind of tra trauma in their lives, and they never get over it. And we don't want to be around that person because being around that person sucks the air out of the room. Now, who wants to be around someone who is just consistently negative and self-focused and in their grief? I didn't want to be that way. And so, I was trying to find a way forward. What I came to find out over time was that almost everyone I know, and I believe this is true about all of you, actually, is that you may not have, have to process what we've we're processing, but you have something in your life that's close to the surface that weighs you down. It affects your mental health. And my hunch is that you don't talk to very many people about it at all, if anyone. And often, people of faith were reluctant to talk about some issue that we have, that we're feeling depressed or, uh, God forbid, feeling suicidal. Uh, we don't want to say that. We don't want to share that. Or we're worried about our family, and somebody in our family is struggling in a way that just weighs us down, and, and we don't want to tell other people about it because we don't want them to think poorly of our family or our family member, or, and so we kind of keep it to ourselves, and it robs us of the help of those who would want to help us, the people around us, and it robs them of the opportunity to give. Just like the church said, if you come back too soon, you're going to rob the congregation of the opportunity to rise to the occasion because they love you and they want to serve you. And so we need to move beyond our stigma, shame, and silence around mental health issues, that which weighs us down. And there is much that weighs us down. In the first place, we acknowledge that life's hard and life's always been hard. It's always been hard. Somewhere along the way, I think, in the American dream, we thought that if we just get the right kind of education, the right kind of job, we get the, we'll be able to live in the right neighborhood, we'll have the right kind of house, and our lives are going to be, are going to be better, and, and they will, in a material sense, but not necessarily in a spiritual sense. So that people who live as if by common standards, they have everything, are not any more happy or settled in their spirit or in their soul. And, and so life has always been hard. It always will be hard. So it's a dream to think that we're going to get to a place in our lives where life's not hard. In 1979, 
a book was published, and the author was named Scott Peck. He was a young psychiatrist at the time. The book was called The Road Less Traveled. And he used that metaphor of the road less traveled from a, Scott, from a Frost poem, The Road Less Traveled. And, and his point was that people would choose the easy path almost always if they can. But the harder path is a path that leads to wholeness and wellness and a deeper sense of peace in this life. So what is that road less traveled? And, and so he develops his thought about what helps us to be mature of body, mind, and spirit. I went back and have been skimming through my notes on that book, and it's still good. When it came out, it was just a, this unbelievable international bestseller. I think it was on the New York Times bestseller list for like 100 weeks. It was just something crazy and translated into all kinds of languages. The book begins with one statement, life is hard. You could have written that. I could have written that. Scott Peck became a gazillionaire with that as his opening line, life is hard. He goes on to say in that first paragraph, once we realize that we accept that fact, life's not quite so hard. If we recognize that life's always going to be hard, then we're not going to be so disappointed when life is hard. So when life is hard, and we have something that's wearing us down, and we share it with someone, that's the first step to caring for our souls. It's risky, I get that. In the Psalm before us, David, one of the mighty warriors of ancient Israel, the most mighty of warriors, one of the great leaders of the ancient Middle East, deep in his walk with God, deeply spiritual, a man after God's own heart, a mighty warrior, but he admits that he cries out to God for help. He needs God. And he, when he says God is near to the brokenhearted, he says that because he's been brokenhearted. And God saves those that are crushed because he's been crushed in his spirit, in his mind, in his body. He's been crushed and God has saved him. When Jesus says, come to me all you are weary and carrying heavy burdens, he's talking to everybody. He's not talking about somebody who's going through a hard time right now and everybody knows they're going through a hard time. He's talking about all of us because whether it's obvious to other people or not, we're struggling. We're struggling. Life is hard, yes. It was hard before COVID. Then COVID just changed everything. And we haven't recovered from it. We haven't fully processed it. And we need to continue to talk with one another and talk with people, the people we love, about, about how we move forward and how our lives have changed. It's not that we went back to business as usual. Recently, I was talking to somebody in a in a store who was a, a clerk at a Walgreens and I went in to exchange something and, and I'm like this. It's the way God made me. I say it's the way God's made me. My wife Cynthia says that I just have a need to talk to people and <laughs> get affirmation and so I don't know, but I talk to people. So this, this young woman was especially kind to me and it was kind of a complicated exchange with some electronic stuff and she was so patient and kind. And, and so I, I said, I'm, have, how are you doing in the new year? How's the new year going so far? And she said, it's uh, been hard. It's really hard. I started college uh, in COVID and that meant I, I didn't go to class. I couldn't meet my professors. I had no fellow students and I flunked out. And I'm trying to save some money. It's really hard. And uh, I said, well, are you a person of faith? And she said she was. And I said, may I pray for you? And so we prayed. And, and I've talked to other young people recently. I've been talking to young adults and high school students 
This last week I was talking, to, I was giving a, uh, a lecture, not a lecture, but a talk to high school students who are in leadership class. They're very bright kids and they're studying leadership and the convener of the, of the class wanted me to share my story of leadership and uh, in the church and outside the church and so I did. And, and then the leader knew that we had lost our son and so we, and we started a nonprofit to help eliminate the stigma, shame, and silence around mental health because I really believe what I'm telling you today that we have to talk about these things. We must. Because the issues that we're facing, they're so widespread. So many people are struggling. Y'all, you know that. Struggling. People that you know and you love and are close to you and it, it may be you yourself. It could be a spouse, a child, a parent and, and you don't know where to go for help because there's we just don't have enough ways and places where we can get help. And we need to change the culture around that. But it begins by being honest about what we're wrestling with. I was asking these, and so I told these students about losing Justin and our, and our nonprofit. And, and then I asked them, there were 14, so it was a pretty small group, and asked them about their own. I said, mental health, something that you think about. All of them just lit up. And... In meaning that they were engaged. And I said, did you be open to sharing how, how it's affecting you? And they all shared some pretty serious uh, uh, struggles with depression. And some were in therapy, some weren't. Some were in medication, some weren't. Everyone had a way that they were trying to address the challenges that they were facing, this, these pressures upon them. Some just run themselves to exhaustion. Some swim to exhaustion. Some uh, do something else to exhaustion. And sometimes what we do isn't healthy for us. And that's what Jeff's sermon addressed last week. This isn't healthy over the long run. It's kind of funny to talk about it, right? And kind of fun. But I really am, you know, gaining more weight than I want to gain. And if I kept going, it would be really bad. So I really do have to cut back. So I'm going to leave these, Jeff. And when you do the children's sermon, you can distribute them if you want. They haven't been touched by human hands, I'm just saying. So uh, I made sure to pour them out. I'll take these with me because I have touched them. And... We have to create a space in our lives. We have to acknowledge that we are in need and we're in need of other people in our life. We have to take responsibility for ourselves and put us in a place where other people are. We have to move out of isolation and be with people. You may be in a really good space, but I encourage you to think about somebody in your life, maybe a childhood friend, and you think about it from time to time, but you haven't been in touch with them. I'm telling you, they're struggling with something. Maybe they're not talking to anybody. Great Britain has established a minister of loneliness. Have you heard that? Have you read that? Japan has created a minister of loneliness. The Surgeon General in the United States, Dr. Vivek Murphy, says that loneliness is a killer. It's like loneliness is equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day, drinking six hard liquors a day. I mean, that's almost unbelievable. But we're in a crisis. So we have to put ourselves in a position where we can be in Community with people, what better place to do it than here? Where we can hear from God, what better place to do it from here? Where we can be silent before God and hear God's voice in the stillness. That's something you create for yourself. And, and then we need to live into the grace and the love of God. God loves you. God's crazy about you. God wants you to be filled and full. God's not mad at you. If you haven't been to church in a long time, if you haven't read your Bible, none of that. He, God's not, never mad at you. God is wanting you to be close to him. And so take that step. Get closer. And 
Acknowledge your need, create a space where God can be with you and you can be in connection and then live into the grace of God. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. been listening to the RPC Sermons podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.